I'm Trisha Faye Hefner, and I run the poetry salon in Culver City. Being a mother is an attitude, not biology. An unknown writer once said, if you give me any three words, I'll write you a story about my mother. Story is in our DNA, and of course, so is she. We gathered stories from men and women in all walks of life. Stories about the ones we have, the ones we are, the ones we know. This includes stories about stepmothers, godmothers, grandmothers, birth moms, foster moms, the mom up the street. It includes stories about not being a mom and stories about mothering in other ways. No matter how you slice it, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Hi, everybody. I'm Lupe Padilla Mitchell. I'm a life coach of mothers and families and a mother of three adult daughters. I'm Katie Mitchell, actress, writer, storyteller, and mom of a teenage son. Tresha Faye Hefner is a writer, editor, workshop facilitator, and founder of The Poetry Salon. The Poetry Salon is a thriving artistic community that serves all levels of expertise. She offers one-day writing workshops, online e-classes, and in-depth advanced core classes. Outside traditional academy instructions, Tresha has learned at the feet of many established and innovative poets. Her own work has been published in several journals. She continues to read widely, attend regular readings and workshops, and learns from every poet she meets. Tresha shares with us a poem, a slice of her life back when she was a kid in Paradise, California. We talk about the wants and rebellion of youth and how when you're a kid with the security of a loving family, you don't have the life experience to appreciate just how lucky you are. She also shares how one should listen to a poem. One thing she says is, I think when you're listening to poetry, rather than understand it with your intellect, really just try to feel it or close your eyes and visualize it. You know what I want to also add? Lupe and I interviewed Tresha almost a year ago. Yes. She was one of the first people we interviewed. And then the wildfires hit California. And the city of paradise is now no more. It is that town that we all know burned to the ground. So her poem was Paradise, California, too. It was a town I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of. We went back to speak with her. And um, the poem took on a, a little bit more of an importance. Yes, a little deeper meaning. So first of all, let me just say this. Welcome to this show. And I'm actually having a second conversation with you because I wanted a little lesson in poetry, and I happen to know that you're one of the wonderful poetry teachers in Los Angeles. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. You're so welcome. I love the title of this podcast, too. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. You know, in teaching poetry classes, I'm always amazed at how many times mothers come up in poems, and uh, it's just a very rich gold mine of a topic to excavate. Isn't it? All I can hope is that my child doesn't take advantage of it and write anything about me, at least <laughs> for years to come. One thing I did want to ask you since you teach is how should people listen to poems? How should they read them and listen to them? That is a lovely question. And, um, you know, I think the best advice I can give anyone is not to get too intellectual about it. You know, poetry is a great thing to perform. It's a great thing to put to music and to sing it. You can dance 
to to music and poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think when you're listening to poetry rather than trying to understand it with your intellect, really just try to feel it or close your eyes and try to visualize what the poem is showing you or saying. Now, let's talk about your poem, Paradise, California, too, that you're about to read for us. Yes. Can you give us a bit of setup, just a little context for what um, people are about to hear? Yeah. You know what's actually so strange? Um, I'm sure you've been watching the news, but the town of Paradise just burned. And that's the paradise in this poem. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think I have some more poems to excavate from the ashes of that. But yeah, that's been a little bit of a trip. I'm I'm still processing feelings about that. But that is the town that I grew up in, or one of the many towns that I grew up in. And I just went through sort of some of the things that happened in that house mm-hmm. in Paradise. And uh, it was a it was a nice yellow house with a really big yard and we had a dog and we had a pot-bellied pig and we had a lot of fruit trees. Mm. And that was where I turned 12. I think I turned 12 the year we lived in that house. And, you know, I was just starting puberty and I think it was probably an area of big conflict with me and my family because I was you know, I've always been a willful, stubborn child, but, you know, as I was starting to get old enough, I think that was maybe somewhere around the time that I also got to be taller than my, my poor, poor mother. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So yeah, I just wanted to revisit that and some of the conflict that I had with uh, my, you know, gaining my own independence yeah. And uh, and I just listed some of the events I remembered from the years that we lived in that house. And then there was a poem. Okay, so um, let's read your beautiful poem and then we'll chat. All right, let's take it away. Paradise, California, part two. In that house, my mother was always sick. The inside of her body burning her bones. In the hot weather, I planted angel trumpets along the walkway. My dad refused to get cable TV, told me to read a book if I was bored. I told my mother to go to hell for the first and last time, her face a water glass falling into a volcano. On my way to school, I tore apart my fifth grade art project, then glued it back together at home. Saturday is dad paid me 50 cents an hour to work in the garden, carrying the big white bucket around our yard, picking up stones. I made my own ornaments out of goose eggs, learned about miracles in Sunday school, discovered my body could cramp. When I made my own birthday cake, I invented a new recipe, watched batter drip like primitive cave sand into the stove went crying to my mother when it fell apart. The night before my party, she woke to the sound of blood clotting her veins. My father dragged himself into the car, pulling my sister's worried face behind him. I told them I would stay home, walked around in my flowered pajamas, cleaning every part of the house I could reach, each shadow, each broken article of memory, scrubbing them, until they were my own. 
so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. When did you write that? I think I probably wrote that about uh, six, six months to a year ago. Uh, that's definitely one of my newer pieces. I love that. I love that you're letting us, you know, have it or use it or share it. Yes. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. I, I just wanted to say that the poem was taken after Tony Glogler's poem, 1969. If you're familiar with that poem, a lot of mine will echo a lot of what he wrote. So, you know, with thanks to Tony Glogler in that poem. I, I'm okay. actually not familiar with him. So when, when did you lose your mom? How old were you? Oh, you know, she is alive. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's funny, actually. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it, but you could definitely read that as my mom going to the hospital and, and passing. But no, my, my mom has had a lot of health problems ever since um, before I was born, really. So, you know, her waking up in the middle of the night and going to the hospital was not an unusual uh, occurrence in our house. And um, it's still not a terribly unusual occurrence. And uh, yeah, I forget that that's not just normal everyday happening for everyone and their mothers. <laughs> yeah, well, that is interesting, you know? Because it is well, natural they, uh, occurrence for a lot of us until they're no longer here. Yeah. You know, I read into it because you know so much about the subject, about sickness, about all that. So I just assumed yeah. <laughs> yeah. she went to the hospital for the last time. Mm -hmm. No, fortunately, she's still alive, and um, uh, her birthday was last week, and she, I don't know how she does it, but she's still kicking. That's great. Okay. Um, what's your favorite quality about your mom? It's funny because my mom seems very sweet on the surface, but if you test her or you push her, especially if you, you know, threaten her babies, like, there's a really tough kind of determined stubborn side that she's got that's never too far below the surface and you like that quality yeah there's this great story anecdote my grandmother used to tell about my mom had done something she wasn't supposed to do mm -hmm. and my grandmother was scolding her and saying don't do that and my mom is this little cute chubby blonde pink cheek four or five year old stomped her foot and just said no and my <laughs> grandma said I could have scolded her. I could have punished her, but I realized she was going to need that determination in life. So I decided to let it go. That is fantastic. Yeah. And so beautiful that your um, grandmother at the time uh, knew that. Yeah. Because usually they would just, in those times, they'd see exactly the disrespect that was sitting in front of them. Yeah. Of the, the energy that was going to be necessary. Right. Well, my mom had a really good mom. I've been blessed with with a great mother and uh, two really fantastic grandmothers as well. So I'm, I'm very lucky in that respect. Wow. You, you really, really are. are. <laughs> you are. Well, you are, you know, because when you have that, you have a real chance to find your place in this world and find your happiness. Yeah. You know? You know, what's funny is I really did not appreciate it growing up. I mean, I think that's pretty cliche, uh, but growing up, I just kind of took for granted that parents were supportive people who were supposed mm -hmm. to guide you through this world and nurture you and support you. And I was angry because they didn't have things like money and um, they weren't going to be able to take me to Paris or give me a piano or buy me a horse. 
And I wasn't mm-hmm. super angry about it, but I was definitely displeased and uh, <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> and now as an adult, and especially as an adult who works with um you know, poets and creative writers, and I hear some of some of their stories about their mothers, and I think I was really lucky, and I didn't even know it at the time. Wow! But it's a little it's a little too late to go back and you know reappreciate it from the beginning. So I try to appreciate it now as much as I can. Yeah. Well, your, your job back then was not to appreciate yeah. what great parents you had <laughs> or what great mother you had. Yeah. Your job was to want, you know, a pony. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, it was you know just full disclosure. It was my sister who wanted the pony, and they did manage to get her one at some point. Um, I just kind of said, "Don't worry about it. You guys are busy. I'm gonna go make some money, and I'll I'll buy my own piano or whatever it is I want. I'll take my own trip to Paris." Uh, which I did eventually get to do. So so that was my way of coping with it. Well, they gave you something. They gave you those skills to cope with. Too. Well, well, you got those, you those from somewhere. Yeah, the skills to go reach for what you wanted. You knew what you wanted and you weren't going to wait for them. So that's those are some great skills. Absolutely. So anyway, I just want to ask you about um, teaching. You teach poetry here in Los Angeles? Yes, yes. I'm the founder of the Poetry Salon, which is based in Culver City. And we bring poetry to a variety of communities. Mainly I teach private workshops for advanced writers who are writing for their own personal reasons or they're um, you know, working on their books mm-hmm. and, and getting things edited for publication. And then I bring poetry to other groups, uh, you know, corporations, organizations, nonprofits. And we've been doing that for five years now and heading into our sixth year. Wow, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I am. Uh, I'm surrounded by writers. Katie's a writer. Her her brother um, is my husband, who is a writer. One of my daughters is a writer. Oh great! If I wanted to write a piece of po- a poem, mm-hmm. where would I start, or how do I have to start thinking? Oh well, it's. I mean, it is really funny you ask that, and uh, I swear you're not a plant in the audience. But I actually have an e-course called "How to Think Like a Poet." Okay. <laughs> no, I swear I'm not a plant. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's a uh, it's a series of twenty lessons that you can do, and they take about probably fifteen twenty minutes each to understand the basic techniques of writing poetry, and some of them are things that apply to fiction writing as well, but some of them are more exclusively poetic, like how to write a metaphor and how to find a metaphor and how to think in metaphor. Right. You know, I was talking to a woman a few months ago who who said, like, she didn't consider herself a poet. And she said, well, you know, maybe maybe I'll study with you. I really need to learn how to write poetry. And I, I said to her, no, we all know how to write poetry when we're kids. You don't need to learn how to write poetry. You just need to remember how to write it. Hmm. Kids really do think in metaphor. They do think in personification. They have a heightened sense of imagery. But I would say for you, if you wanted to just start writing poetry as opposed to prose, uh, one really practical thing I would say is sit down, open a window, open a notebook, and just describe what's going on outside with as little commentary as possible. No, that's interesting. Okay. I, you know what? I'm going to write a poem. 
I will first look up your class because I do love it. I just don't even know how to uh, begin one. So Katie and I were talking about bucket lists a second ago, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a poem. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'd say the other piece of advice, I could give advice for the rest of my life. Um, But the other thing I would also say is just allow yourself to write a poem. Don't overthink it and don't get too critical you know, uh, I think it's what Rilke says in Letters to a Young Poet. Yeah. It's like, you know, poetry needs love. The last thing it needs is criticism. And that's true of uh, the author. You know, the last thing the poem needs is criticism, even from you, person writing the poems. Just mm-hmm. enjoy anything we do. I was just saying, saying that that's a good mothering lesson. That's what yeah, I was thinking exactly. while y'all were saying that. <laughs> my, my son, he just needs love. He doesn't need any criticism from the maker. Yeah. Well, but I will say in, in defense of mothers and poets, you know, the great thing about a poem, they don't really talk back and you can put them in the bottom of a drawer and get away with it. So that is a big difference between poems and children. And that is a quote that we will be using of yours. We will give you- <laughs> that is brilliant. Cut to, by the way, while y'all were talking, uh, I was thinking, oh my gosh, that's why I see it now. Lupe will be sitting in your class. <laughs> she'll be taking your <laughs> class and then she'll be saying, no, I can't do that interview. I'm I'm going to Trisha's poetry class. <laughs> yeah. I'm I like flashed on the whole thing. She knows me. I'm off. Yeah. I'm learning something new. Yeah. I'm always learning something new. I have a note from my husband. He just wrote it here. He said, don't forget to promote the poetry salon. So, so yeah, that's a big part of what we're doing. Uh, I, you know, we don't care what it is you're promoting. We yeah. love helping you because obviously you're oh, helping yeah. us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, thank you once again. I, I, just really glad that you're putting putting this together, and I'm sure um, this is going to be something so many poets can relate to. And I'm sure you've already heard this quote, but somebody told me they were in a workshop with Matthew Zapruder, and or Zapruder, I might be mispronouncing it, but uh, he said, "Give me any poetry prompt you want, and within three lines, I'll be writing about my mother." <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I just think. That's very powerful. Mothers are very powerful topics in, in the world of poetry. They are. In the world yeah. in the world of all writing. In really. the world in general. Yeah, exactly. All arts. Let's just go there, okay? <laughs> you know? Well, we have some people that aren't necessarily artists that will, are sharing stories of their mothers. So yeah. it's not even um, just writers. It's uh, someone with a story to tell, even if Katie has to. Katie's um, a writer, editor, actress, and she helps them um, – create that story for them, you know, helps them go along with it. Because the importance of writers is that you gave me words to my feelings. Yeah. And so when you can have someone share a story, but they don't have the exact words to those feelings, and Katie could help bring those to light, um, it allows them to share something, you know, right? It's lyrics, it's poems, it's stories. Song. We a have song, a couple of songs. Yeah. People have a story to tell. There's a story to tell. Yeah. Um, and we're not limited to how we're going to tell it. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it's been so wonderful having you um, share this with us and be on the show. Yeah, and, and just getting to meet you. And, with us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Perfect. Definitely. Take care. Take care. Bye. Okay, that's the show. 
And to find out more about our writers, go to our website, Instagram, or Twitter. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. And that's the number one, not the word one. Want to do something to help us? Go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars would be nice. You can say something complimentary. Because you know what? It really does help other people find our show. And also share us with a friend because word of mouth is the best compliment. Join us next week.